Elon and Twitter sitting in a tree. Billionaire chest. That's what's going on out there, folks. We'll talk Elon's latest bid. We'll talk the bid to get gold above 2000 again. That's looking more and more realistic by the day. Uranium hitting 11-year highs. Crypto's playing peekaboo. Buffalo police officers not charged for the beating of the 75-year-old elderly man whose skull was fractured. Uh, a whole lot of the same, everybody. I'm Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode... 165 of Bizarro World, our weekly therapy session. Mr. Hodge, how are you, sir? Doing well, Jordan. Trying to get to Easter, watching the stock market continue to falter and generally just uh, executing with what I'm given. How are you? Um, I'm, I'm fighting the good fight. I'm fighting the good fight. We're hanging in there, uh, up and at it. A lot, um, as usual, going on, right? I mean, I know that the broader indices continue to kind of pull back and, and rates continue to rise. And, you know, we have mortgage rates above five and we have a 10-year um, that's flirting with the 3% level and possibly a 50 basis point rate hike at the next meeting. This within the backdrop of a slowing economy, volatility increasing, the war against the invasion of Ukraine, the war against the Ukrainian people. Um, it's going to be an interesting summer this year. I don't know where to start. There's a lot going on. Um, I'd love your take on the broader indices and rates, because I know that you watch, as I do, um, not just U.S. rates, but international rates. And it's been uh, it's been pretty interesting the last couple of months. Uh, let's start with stock markets, I guess, because the last time we had this podcast, we were talking about how Stocks were coming off their best week in two years, right? And I told you that that wasn't going to continue to be the case. And um, that turned around quite uh, abruptly. We've got um, earnings slowing. Uh, a couple of banks are reporting slowing growth, just a, really a kickoff to uh, earnings season. But expect more of that. Those negative comps that we mentioned in uh, previous issues, right? This uh, first quarter earnings are being compared against uh, first quarter 2021, which was coming out of lockdown. So, um, gosh, what did I see already? Like um, banks, Goldman Sachs, and J.P. Morgan, you know, mm-hmm. year over year earnings got 40%. And so uh, you have that headwind for stocks. You also have the headwind of, of slowing growth. And more later this month, how GDP is going to fare for the same reason uh, as earnings are slowing. And then you've got uh, inflation really slowing down the consumer. So... Um, the print that came out this week was uh, 1981 levels. I mean, you know, that's before I was born. So um, I literally had to live through the the market that we're experiencing right now. Um, similar. Neither have most traders, by the way. I was just going to say, neither have uh, most traders and most investors. And so uh, it's very interesting from that. It's going to be one hot summer, like you say. Interest rates continue to get away from us, uh, certainly from uh, me, who thought they were going to back off by now. So what do I want to say there? Um, one, let me cover my ass first. It's been better than the <laughs> stock market, right? I mean, um, losing a couple percentage points in, in bonds is better than losing 8 to 10 percentage points in the S&P, but it's still not good investing because the first rules don't lose money. So um, the longer you lose money, the poorer you get. Is that how that works? Absolutely. <laughs> so it's time to reevaluate that that rate trade. 
except every time I look at it, it, it wants to sort of pull back to, to resistance, right? It doesn't want to go all the way um, higher to 3%, like you just mentioned, but certainly it's, it's popped above 2.7 a couple of times. Yeah. Um, and that leads me to the Fed, which you sort of ended with as well. How dumb slash aggressive are they going to be, right? And um, you have former Fed people uh, saying that they're going to be really dumb, like they're going to raise the rates and they're going to break something. So interested to see what is what it is that's going to break. Perhaps it's the record gold price. I think I think several things will break and I think they'll happen, you know, alongside each other. Right. I think, you know, I was listening to an interview, a hedge eye interview uh, with Danielle DiMartino Booth, whose opinion, you know, former Fed insider and someone whose opinion um, I, I, I value when I when I listen um, to her speak, especially about the Fed. And, you know, she was saying it won't be corporate credit and it won't be the mortgage market. No Fed wants to let that fail on its watch. But she could see, you know, potentially the, the, the junk bond market being allowed to kind of wither away. And that would provide the Fed cover um, to kind of do that about face. And I think both you and I, me, certainly the about face that I expect the Fed to do after the next hike. I do believe they hike um, or it hikes another 50 basis points during the next meeting. But I think after that, that sounds like the most educated and plausible um way forward if i'm doing the math and i know the 31 trillion dollars in u.s debt and i know what global debt looks like and i know that there's already riots and chaos in the street that's inflation related exported directly by the fed if i'm looking at that entire picture and connecting those dots i could see the fed saying something has to be sacrificed for me to have you mentioned covering your ass for me to be able to cover my ass when i do the about face and start easing again, not cutting or not uh, increasing rates. And I could absolutely see the junk bond market being allowed to break, as you mentioned it. And if that happens, if that happens, forget gold to 2000, you're going to see new all time highs in gold quickly. And the gold equities that still present some of the most compelling value in the entire space are going to go absolutely bonkers the way the uranium equities have for the past 12 to 18 months. I mean, that's my test. Gold wants to, gold <laughs> wants to break out now. It's, it's knocking on the door and it's uh, a perfect actually trading opportunity, right? To uh, take some off on the 5% updates and pick some back up on, on the 5% down dates. And um, what I want to say, getting to be almost a, a stock picker's market and getting tougher to get your spots, right? Like, um, Christ, I've had a limit order in for Revival Gold for a week and I've taken another <laughs> penny and another penny and it's like, no, fuck you, we're not selling any shares at this price. And um, Whereas two weeks ago, you could have got not all you wanted, but you could have got at least a little bit. So um, I guess the, the takeaway there is buying gold pullbacks is, 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 is the takeaway. And I've told you about uh, GDX at, at 46. I've certainly told paying subscribers about GDX, excuse me, GDXJ at 46. And yeah. um, that's even gone away from here. It's over $50 in the past two days. It was $47 a week ago. So um, that's what I mean. You know, if that GDX comes back significantly below $50, GDXJ, you want to be picking that up. And I can't tell you, I don't think you can either. Light gold is going to break in time. I can tell you that um, gold is bullish at the minute. 
bullish trend while many other things uh, are not and a lot of investors still need a, a, a haven or are going to want a haven as um, all the market dynamics that we just talked about continue to play out. You mentioned revival gold. Um, let's sw switch sectors a little bit. Let's talk uh, the uranium space. Let's switch commodities, I should say. Um, what opportunities are you seeing out there? There were a lot of companies this week. I'm looking at, you know, my 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 little app here and green, 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 UEC, $6.40. That touched a brand new high this week. UEC trolls, how's that feeling right now? Don't care if you troll, it's just math, right? It is what it is. You either made money or you did it. But what do you see as far as the uranium space? Where is their value right now? You mentioned Sky Harbor last week. Um, I've mentioned Labrador Uranium. Um, and, and if I'm going to answer my own question, which I am now, I think that right now for me is one of the most compelling values for an exploration uranium play with top-notch management and a really clean share structure. Um, they, they announced a $7 million financing an hour later. It was upsized to $8 million, $1.40 flow through. And I think for Labrador, look, summer's coming and that's where we're really going to see the exploration upside kind of uh, tapped into by the company when the, the drills start turning. So I like Labrador. I like some of the names in the uranium space, but we talked about it before. It's two steps forward, one step back. Hell of a week for a lot of those uranium equities. You know, I saw fission up uh, near dollar ten, and it hasn't been there in a, in a bit. Um, uh, the one that we watch here in the United States had a good run, reported some uh, new mineralization, and then um, I go back to Sky Harbor. So I was writing about it today, actually, and I'm starting to get questions. You know, should I sell a little bit? Right? I mean, should I sell a little bit? And I tried to address that question, and that's the opposite of where you see value, right? So. Um, I thought you did that beautifully, by the way. I read that. It was well, very well written. You should make you should put, post that up and post a link because I thought it was a great explanation on when and how and how it's really your choice at the end of the day. But let me allow you to provide the content. Well, that's, that's what I was going to do is, is I was going to recite it and I was going to recite it in the context of, of Sky Harbor, which uh, I mentioned a couple of times on this podcast, we bought first below 40 cents and, and then you get a 45 cents and I just watched it run to sitting in the 70 cent range right now. Um, and, and my context was this, look, if I own 100% of Sky Harbor, just consider my position 100%, I bought like 98% of that via private placements and then 2% of that, you know, trading around my position in another account. Well, both those positions are significantly up and not that I'm itching or looking to sell uranium stocks, but the way I presented it was, you know, you got a new car breaks down, you got to buy a new car, your tuition bill comes due for your kids, your house needs painted, or you need new outdoor furniture, whatever it is, right? Like if you got a bill that you got to pay, today's tax day, for example, um, that you should be selling when stocks to pay your taxes because you just got to pay taxes on that again next year. But um, anyway, the point was, you know, if I need that little 2% jingle in my bank trip or whatever, I can sell that, um, hold my 98% uh, position in Sky Harbor and still be a lot of things, right? Still be bullish on uranium. I still have significant holding and not have to worry about watching two accounts. I don't know how many accounts you have. I have a lot. I mean, I look all around. <laughs> There's right? a lot, so yeah. Then you got to add up, like, what's my full position? How many shares is it really? And so if I can eliminate a little bit of a headache, bank it up going to take my wife on a nice trip for a weekend and um, still have a very significant position relative to my speculative portfolio in, in Sky Harbor, but that's a win-win-win. But uh, how I followed that up was, you know, I don't know what your situation is. 
shares, right? I don't know how many shares you have, what price you bought them, what you need money for. So typically the selling decision is yours. And then where I really ended it was, I don't see a catalyst to, to call sell on uranium industry-wide and, and likely won't for um, uh, a while. So I'm not gonna be making sell calls. So to answer your original question, where do you see value? It's in pullbacks, um, but my horses are, are in the race. Um, I'm not out there looking for a lot of new horses, especially in, in uranium. We have um, some pretty horses. Right, and I know when <laughs> I mean, they're sort of going in for, for a pit stop or when they're, they're slowing down a little bit and, and are ready to be ridden hard again, to, to, to beat the analogy a little bit more. And so I see value in pullbacks is the answer to the question. Great answer. Um have to mention that the dollar index broke 100 while gold is flirting with 2000, right? Again, that's- And rates are up as well. And rates are up as well. That's very, very bullish gold price action. Again, this on the back of a record quarterly high in the price of gold. So no, it's gonna get interesting here. I think the summer's gonna be fun. I think the rest of 2022 is going to be fun. Um, if you're looking for value in the gold space, you mentioned Revival Gold. I said Labrador in the uranium space. Everybody knows how I feel about Patriot in the lithium space. Ethos Gold, now Prospector Metals. Um, there was a six to nine month period for Prospector Metals where the company seemingly every other month, and I could be off by a month in either direction, was doing a financing. And they were allowing very strategic investors, long-term strong hand uh, investors to come in and write checks. And what ended up happening is, you know, frankly, they blew the share structure up for an exploration company, right? Too many shares. They just did the right thing, which is consolidate um, on a three to one basis. But I, I interviewed the CEO, Alex Heath, earlier today, and I believe 2022 for Ethos is going to be an absolute barn burner. I think they have two potentially company making projects, the two good project in Newfoundland. And then they have, you got, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they have a second project that's a nickel, copper, palladium, platinum, um, gold project that Rob Carpenter is absolutely in love with from what Alex shared with me. And so geologists excite easy, but Rob Carpenter isn't one, um, to lend his name to just any project. And the way it was described to me during that interview, uh, which we'll publish next week, was that this is Rob Carpenter's baby. And so when I start hearing someone as accomplished as Rob Carpenter describe a project in that kind of uh, light, I get excited because as you know, I am very attracted to exploration stories. There's nothing like a new discovery for me, right? I love buying a thing at 10 cents, 20 cents, 50 cents, and seeing it go to a buck fifty, two dollars five dollars on the back of a drill bit. Um, so I think Ethos, I think Ethos is going to have us up a hell of a year. Uh, free podcast, free advice. Get your money's worth. Let's see how it plays out. I got thoughts on Ethos. Um, Prospector. <laughs> yeah, I got thoughts. And PPP is a good ticker too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got thoughts. And they're not all flattering because of the financing. So I covered it in the letter for a while. So yep. because of the financing. So it's in, in, in certain ways, it, it embodies everything that's wrong and everything that's right with the junior mining sector. Um, multiple financing, still in the people, the, the looting, the share structure, the looting, the, looting the, the people that came in uh, ahead of those strategic uh, financing. Yep. Uh, rampant delays. Uh, 
misses on the first early drill campaign shedding of, of, of product projects, which isn't necessarily a negative. Um, to spend a little money, drill a hole, right? Drill and kill, right? And, and that, I guess, was, was sort of the strategy. Um, but to say that this was a, a company that you were putting together to uh, honor uh, Gary and then uh, to do that for a couple of years, it left a bad taste in my mouth. And, and then here we are, the main rollback, starting to do things better. We always knew the potential of the, the rocks and the, the people that. Um, were involved and um, now looking like a good exploration story once again. I, we didn't mention that, that one of those assets is in Newfoundland, and I, I think that's important. Newfoundland has come up strong in the past couple of years, and there's been a lot of Me Too stories. Um, a lot of, I don't know if there's news in Newfoundland, but the uh, good Me Too, uh, everybody. Yes, well, <laughs> as hey, in made a um, discovery, and we're also drilling there, not Me Too, as in. You know, the other me too, that not so good. Not that one. No, so I, I agree. You know, when I was writing about it to, to people who financed it privately with me, I was saying sort of what I just said now. It's been frustrating. It's um, been dilutive and now rolled back. But it's worth holding on to for the upside potential um, of these drill campaigns that hopefully we, we, we finally see here in, in, in 2022. Um, and one more, since this is therapy session, I feel that. Um, Ethos kind of got cast aside in the discovery group a little bit as well over the, uh, the past year or so as they focused on um, other projects and companies within the thing. So it's good to see uh, Ethos come or Prospector come back into focus again. Um, Witten Lake is the name of that second project, Witten Lake. There's also a third that they're drilling, which is called the Savant Lake property, uh, which also looks very prospective, but that one to me is is... is less of a potential company maker than the other two. The other two, I mean, if they if they hit on one, it's off to the races. If they hit on both, then, you know, it's going to get it's going to get real fun. And I think, you know, I think we're already set up really well for an exciting second half. I've, I've, I've shared my enthusiasm around hand and metals. I've shared it around Patriot battery metals, you know, both companies that will have drills turning here the remainder of the year handing in the third quarter. Um, prospector here starting in May. Looks like they'll be drilling throughout the year. Uh, a lot to like. A lot to like. Let's um, next week. Next week, before we pivot, next week I'll be financing a, a, a company that's drilling in in Newfoundland. They actually made a discovery uh, last year: silver, gold, copper, uh, lead, zinc discovery, and. Uh, I don't think the, the market understood. It's got some good people involved, including people involved in some of the uranium companies you just discussed. You haven't seen them yet. I'll show them to you after we're done recording. Come on, Nick. Well, um, not on me, man. <laughs> very tight share structure and um, also has money in the bank that they have to spend because it was flow-through funds. So they'll be going back into the system that they know is mineralized and, and drilling this summer. And... Um, it's got a nine million valuation and three million dollars in cash and a tight share structure and good people involved. So um, I'm going to write a check and give it a shot. I like that. Got to mention Cucho Copper. Uh, you know, hit a 52 week high of a dollar ten here a few months ago. You had uh, Wheaton come in and exercise, you know, shares at 90 cents, and they were happy to do so. And you know, it's trading at 59 cents was as low as 53.54 cents earlier this week. There's a lot of value in Cucho Copper. So uh, a lot of names for y'all to pick from. 
have to pivot and talk, you know, billionaire chess. Is there anybody that trolls better than Elon Musk? I've said this over and over on this podcast. Top level trolling. I mean, and men men dumping. I don't know. I mean, you know, if, 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 if everything is to believed, Elon Musk bought quietly a 9.9% stake in Twitter while trolling it on Twitter, which again, that's just, that's something billionaires can do, right? He then comes out this week and says that he wants to make an offer for Twitter. He wants to buy the entire company. That sends Twitter people in a panic, right? Because Elon, you either love the guy or you hate the guy. For some reason, there can be no middle ground. Like he can't be a genius and an asshole at the same time, or he can't be an angel and a dumbass at the same time. Apparently in this universe here, those two things with Elon Musk can't happen. You either feel one way, he's the dumbest, scum of the earth idiot that never did anything, never invented a thing, or he's just like the second coming of Da Vinci, right? There's no middle ground for some reason. But So he then says he's gonna buy Twitter. And then today he was given a, a, a talk, a TED talk, I believe in Vancouver, if I'm not mistaken. And he says, well, if I don't know if I actually have enough right now liquidity to buy Twitter, but if my offer is rejected, I have a plan B. And so, again, it's fun to watch. It's above my 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 my, my salary um, to speculate what the end game is. But just judging from Elon's history and, and, and his business dealings, you can say a lot of things about that guy. He hasn't lost a lot of people money. And there's always a vision and there's always a plan. And if this is just to troll Twitter, just to say, look, I can, I think it's hilarious. I think there may be more to it and we'll see. I think he's truly keen on protecting free speech. I think this is um, part of a broader fourth turning, part of the changing of institutions that we often talk about. And I mentioned this last week, but yeah. uh, brought it up. I mean, obviously there's a, capitalistic tint or he's a capitalist, a billionaire capitalist, and likes making money. Um, but I do think that he didn't like the, the shadow banning and the censorship and, 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 and wants to change that given that Twitter is the, the, the world's whatever public space or public town hall. Um, and I would say that I'm one of those people who are sort of nuanced about uh, must maybe I'll be the only one because I do see him as a sort of a pumper as well. Sure. 420 funding secured and uh, the Dogecoin, and, uh, or maybe it was Shiba, but anyway. Um, Probably both. He's a, he's a pumper <laughs> and, and he knows how to do it. He understands, obviously, it's, uh, his power on social media and uh, his following. So I'm interested to see if the SEC has anything to say about the way he's approached Twitter over the couple of weeks. I know there's certainly questions about his tweets about taking Twitter private and uh, things like that. Um, and then I guess the last thing I'd say is uh, maybe I'll become a Elon Musk convert if I can get my Starlink because I'm so strong with the, the home internet. It's supposed to be late 2022. Come on, Nick. We got internet in the Ukraine in a war zone right now. Elon made that happen. Not in Eastern Washington. Maybe that's why mine's delayed. Oh, man. That's tough. I tell you what else is tough. It's tough. It's tough to live in a country where we've been so blessed with opportunities. Um, you know, I come from immigrant parents. You come from, you know, immigrant grandparents, I believe. Um, I there you go. And, and, you know, there's few places on the planet where a story like Nick's or a story like mine 
could be realistic, right? Um, where, you know, we, we, we have family that comes from another part of the world and, and, and slowly but surely we are able to, you know, launch and build companies and, 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 you know, hopefully do some good in the world. But it's tough to know that that is true while simultaneously knowing that two Buffalo police officers can throw a 75-year-old elderly man to a sidewalk, push him straight back, have him bleeding out on the pavement with a fractured, fractured skull. And, and, and while they were suspended by the department, while there was an investigation, they are now going to be allowed to start working again after an arbitrator found that the two used absolutely legitimate force is how the arbitrator worded it and did not violate department policies. Let me read to you the crock of shit that the arbitrator wrote. They said, while Mr. Gugino might well have believed that he was engaged in some type of civil disobedience or perhaps acting out a role in some type of political theater, he was definitely not an innocent bystander. He was in the square past 8 p.m. and did not comply with the officer's order to move back. Now, let me give this dumbass arbitrator the benefit of the doubt and say, well, legally nothing was wrong. Legally, he was out past curfew and legally he was out protesting, albeit peacefully. Um, so maybe legally the force was justified. I think it's bullshit, but let me give the arbitrator the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it was legal, but if there is a 75-year-old man or woman peacefully protesting who gets shoved on his back has his skull cracked open, is laying out bleeding to see the line of officers that walked by that old elderly man and didn't pick him up, that may be legal, but fuck it's sad and it sure in the hell is it right. Not the way that I was brought up. And, uh, you know, I'll commend, I believe it was a, a gentleman that was there. I believe there was a National Guard um, group that was there. And it was the National Guard that actually walked over and picked the gentleman up as he lay there motionless, bleeding out, while a line of police officers just walked right past this guy. And so as amazing as America is, as you know, great as this country can be, again, there's a lot of systems and structures and institutions that need some revamping. Because if this is legal, if, if this is within the policy, I don't want to give Buffalo, New York a dollar. I won't travel there. Who cares? They probably don't want me. But... I have a hard time reading that and, 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 and reading that those officers did nothing wrong and then listening or watching as the arbitrator scolds a peaceful protester, adds insult to literal injury um, by saying maybe he felt like he was acting out a role in some type of political theater out there peacefully protesting in America. Well, we saw the video. We talked about it when it um, happened. Uh, callous and it was uncalled for and um, I, I, 
I debate that with, with anyone outside of the legality, like you say. Not a lawyer, obviously, but I would also assume that police are, are mandating or required to provide care. Like, even if you shoot somebody, you gotta, you know, try to resuscitate them and try to provide care. We saw that. Um, push them down and, and not provide um, any care at all. And so, um, you know, this is one of our uh, pillar topics, let's say, the accountability of, of police and the, the militarization of police um, and, and how they're trained and recruited and, and do their jobs. And it continues to be a very tough issue. There was uh, another shooting this, this, this week or maybe it was last week in the Grand Rapids, Michigan, where the Vermont <laughs> just came out and that was um, next <laughs> well, I mean, it's tough you know the white cop ends up shooting the black guy in the back of the head but after what after uh, 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 what i would classify as a, a, a struggle where the guy was i mean fighting the police officer the last frames were far away and hard to see exactly what happened but uh in, in, in much of that video uh, you can see him trying to, to fight the officer to grab the taser um Etc. And so all of these continue to be uh, case by case and continue to be parsed out in the most um, granular detail. Um, and that's fine, I guess. That's part of the American uh, judiciary and justice system. But on the greater whole, outside of the granular detail of, of all these individual cases, I think we can all, um, and if we can't, certainly I can, admit that there's a, a larger problem here. Um, outside of that granular detail of the was it legal or inside the parameters, to watch that video of the, the police force who's paid to serve and protect the citizenry, um, push that gentleman down and he's guaranteed by the Constitution. I don't want to hear about curfews and I don't want to hear about stuff yeah. like that. Freedom of assembly and freedom of speech. Don't tell me it's 801. I can't be out here emphasizing my uh, constitutional rights. That's you as an institution, as a government institution trying to squash my constitutional rights to validate your actions against me. So anyway, what I was saying was anybody who watches that video can see that the, the cops are in the wrong and didn't need to, to use the force that they used with that individual. And that to me is the, the bigger problem. You know, um, Obviously it's a problem that they're not going to be held accountable, but it's a, it's a larger problem that they, um, they being police, um, know and uh, are willing, well, first, are willing to act that way, and second, know that they have the protection of the, the whatever, big blue line, big blue shield, all the prosecutors and all the arbitrators, right? And just, whatever happened, just respect for your elders. Sure. Bringing it back to so forget legal, forget, your, your, your you know, just wars, forget I mean, curfew, just fucking human being. It's a 75-year-old elderly man. I mean, I can understand him. You know, he's a 300-pound jacked-up guy, and you feel like, okay, me as an officer, this guy's being a little threatening. Let me push him back and make sure that he doesn't rush me. It's a 75-year-old early man. Who was showing no aggressiveness. I mean, he wasn't. Had it, literally had his hands up. Sure. Just wanted wanted to be out there and exercise his constitutional right to protest. Um, we're sending another $800 million in weapons to the Ukraine. That tells me this war ain't slowing down anytime soon. I wrote that last week. The market says the, the war is not slowing down. Um, what's the new cute thing we do? Now we send diplomats <laughs> over for a photo op. That's what we do now to show our support. And meanwhile, citizens are um, perishing by the tens of thousands. Uh, but the count's getting high. And um, 
Gosh, I don't really have uh, anything great to say about that. Um, I'm sort of a non-interventionist kind of uh, person, but I'm also a not a half-measure kind of person either. It seems like we're doing half-measures, right? Like uh, lip service and, and not real support. And that to me is almost worse than, than doing nothing. I wish they would track how many we- how many how, how many dollars in weapons they're sending to Mexico. Hmm. Nobody are, talks. About, yeah, nobody talks about that. Question. Right, right. There's no uh, there. It's 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 a bizarre world, Dick. There's a lot. There's a lot. Um, here in Austin, there's a rail package uh, project, and it was packaged as. Project Connect, right? And it's meant to ease and alleviate, um, you know, the the struggles that come and the traffic that comes with a booming economy and a boom town here in Austin and all of Central Texas. And it's meant to alleviate traffic. And so we find out today, here a year after the proposition passes for $2.5 billion, that now the two light rail lines and the underground tunnel um, are, are, are going to double in cost from $5.8 billion to $10.3 billion. Um, that's a little bit. That's a little bit. Um, and so, you know, the mayor explained that the rise is due to, quote, real estate in Austin, inflation, and supply chain issues. This will not be a one-off, y'all. I'm, I know used car prices dipped back down for a month. I know inflation has likely peaked in a lot of sectors, a lot of it isn't transitory. A lot of it's never making the U-turn. Um, and I think this is a perfect example of very real consequences to, again, Fed-enabled policy that has made it to where even when there's a fear of recession, let's be honest, Nick, I'll sound like an asshole for a little bit. Are you really worried about a recession? You individually, you personally, with the investments that you've made and the way you've allocated and positioned yourself through your real estate holdings and your stock holdings and the two companies that we co-own together. Are you really worried and, and cowering about this coming recession? Um, let me parse that. I'm, no, I'm not worried about <laughs> a recession or slowing growth or a 20, 40% haircut in the, the, the stock market. I, I get concerned about a black swan event that I can't uh, predict or some new monetary system that I can't um, forecast or understand or get ahead of. But I don't worry about um, slowing growth for two quarters. I don't worry about that. And when you read about how inflation is going to uh, affect you, at least in this fiscal year, a 5 to 10% increase in in cost is, is bearable for me. Again, there's two types of recessions. There's recessions where I hope the price of that Austin condo downtown goes down. <laughs> right? I hope I can buy stock cheaper. I hope I can position for the uh, the Fed pivot when it happens because it's going to happen. And then there's a type of recession where if my rent doubles, and this is most of America, right? Where think something like 50 or 60% of America doesn't have a thousand dollars in savings. Um, that's the part that pisses me off because for that America, for that side of it, and I've been there, I was there for a long time. Um, it, it's not going to be easy to come back from. And, and we need, again, just back to, I, I, I hate to keep beating a dead horse, right? But this fourth turning, 
we need to revamp everything. The way we teach our students, what we teach them, the way we uh, pay our teachers, um, the way we, 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 we hire in this country, the benefits that we provide, both public entities and private entities. You know, I like to think with Digest Publishing that you know, we, we, we consider ourselves as you know, responsible stewards of the, 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 the lives of our employees. And, and the way that we do that is by compensating well and making sure that you know, we provide top-notch medical packages for our employees. That has to be the new model for everybody um, because it's getting tough out there for a lot of people. And again, we have $800 million in weapons that we can send to the Ukraine. We can't come up with a comprehensive mental health package um, to, to, to address the way that this country deals with mental health. I'm not blaming this on mental health, but some asshole in Brooklyn just injured 32 people and shot something like 16 of them. Um, all of these things are connected in one way or the other. And so if we're not going to fundamentally address the things in this country that need to be addressed, then why are we sending $800 million in weapons abroad? Um, I just, and again, my heart goes out to the Ukrainian people. I'm actually all for arming the Ukrainian people and allowing them and giving them the opportunity to defend themselves. But man, I'm also all for taking care of us here in this country and, 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 you know, providing better resources, both as private entities and the public entities. I'm not putting this all on government, but it's a tricky time. It's a, it's a tricky time. Well, you're seeing uh, corporations starting to step, step up and leave, and, and that's part of the, the transition is, um, you know, institutions uh, take responsibility when uh, others won't or are failing. And um, you mentioned us. I mean, that's part of that. That's part of the corporations stepping up to provide what the government can't um, or won't. And, and, and I think it migrates in, in that direction until uh, critical masses hit government says, hey, this is the rule, or we're going to do it um, this way. But you know, clearly, uh, a lot has to, to change. I mean, we're all the way to the to the polls on uh, political beliefs and wealth inequality, right? I mean, it's pushed all the way to the edges. Um, and and the, the, the erasure of the, the middle class has been a theme for a long time, but it's uh, very pointed now that the stimulus money has dried up and that, that costs are rising and that um, wages aren't rising as fast, and now um, those uh, rising costs are hitting uh, not just rents, um, which is obviously important for people to afford, but uh, also mortgages, which uh, is important for people to get out of that rent cycle to the, to the ownership cycle is increasingly uh, out of reach. You know, if you were looking for a, a, a quarter million dollar home uh, a month ago, three percent, now you're looking at a two hundred thousand dollar. Five percent. So um, there's not a lot of two hundred thousand uh, dollar homes worth living in, in in Spokane. Certainly, that you wouldn't have to pour money into to make adequate to, to live in. So uh, that's going to obviously be a, a big issue. And uh, part of the thing that that needs to be corrected as this uh, turning goes on. And, uh, you know, for now, the service that we do is 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 preaching what it means for people and, and hoping that they um, act, you know, uh, when the stimulus checks were being cut a year, a year and a half ago, I was saying, you got to trade those for some assets that are going to inflate or those dollars are going to be worth less. And maybe I wasn't 100% correct with the, the dollar index of 100, but you certainly could have parlayed that into uh, 
and more money than the, the stimulus check um, gave you. I'll tell you a, a funny, not funny story about the, where we are and how that could happen. My wife had a tiny little 401k in the job she worked for before we had kids and, and she stopped working. And um, I remember having asked her to, to convert it and then seemingly forgotten about it and never did it or forgot to do it or something. But, you know, in the process of consolidating funds and taking money away from the manager. And so I was going through everything the other day. She had a separate login to one of our banks uh, because it was for her name and I had my login for my name. And so I logged in with, with hers and there's this IRA sitting there with $9,000 in it um, <laughs> that I did convert in, in 2018 and I put 50% in tech and 50% in Union Pacific Railroad and it's double in two years. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. And again, you know, our little corner of the world, we try to provide research, we try to provide ideas on how you can protect and hopefully grow whatever that nest egg and that basket is for you, whether it's, you know, $1,000, $5,000, $50,000, $5 million, right? Um, hopefully, hopefully uh, people find value in that. Hopefully people realize that you're going to have to be way more vigilant and active about the way money is managed, your money, about the way it's allocated. This is not the 70s or the 80s or the 90s even, where you can just hand it to someone and expect them to know what the hell they're doing. These are different markets. These are different times. And, and we're at an inflection point, you know, with a lot of things, with commodities, with inflation, um, with Fed policy, with debt, with, with so many things. But that does provide opportunities, everyone. That does provide, you know, the, the, the chance to actually use some of that volatility and those changes to your advantage. And so hopefully we can provide more of that in the days and weeks and months and years to come. And, uh, you know, I, I want to do it till I go stir crazy and I'm roaming around my country house forgetting what my name is. Right. So that's the plan. And it's, you know, very difficult to do. You mentioned how it's new markets and it's, it's changing and. Uh, that's a good place, I guess, to, to wrap it up. I was reading uh, the great coach this week who I read from time to time when his stuff comes through. Um, and, and he was saying, you know, he's never felt more exhausted, you know, hmm. covering the markets. I mean, you know, typically we would cover our markets and uh, our stocks and our networks, but now you got to cover everything, right? What's policy doing? What are interest rates doing? What's the, what's small caps doing? What's, you know, X, what are SPACs doing? You know, what's all, we got to cover everything now too, because it's all, not that it wasn't before, but it seems like now it's ever more interconnected and um, there's different correlations going on and you have new asset classes. I didn't even mention cryptos in that list of things, right? Like there's just a lot to keep track of um, and uh, a, a lot to, to do, frankly, with uh, the volatility that we've seen in the markets. So, no, I think that was a, a good way to wrap it up. And um, I think we continue to do that here as, as, as broader markets continue to quote unquote melt down. I mean, I feel pretty good about the performance so far in uh, 2022 relative to what broader indexes are doing. My Patriot Battery Metals IRA is looking good, Nick. Hopefully, okay. <laughs> somebody else's account. <laughs> That's all I got, everybody. I'm Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 165 of Bizarro World. Tell your people you love them, everybody. Enjoy the spring holiday.